Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So when's your new show? Uh, when do you it see it? It starts a week from tomorrow. I love your show. I think you Thank do a you. great job. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to a special edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, exclusive excerpts from my interview with Donald Trump. He'll talk about being banned from Twitter, Afghanistan, the border, COVID, allegations of election fraud, whether he's the leader of the Republican Party, and who he trusts and relies upon today. I have interviewed Donald Trump several times, a couple of times before he was elected president when he was running for office, and then I think twice as president. And now I have the first broadcast TV interview with Donald Trump since he left his presidency. He's done some cable news interviews and podcasts and some radio interviews, but I heard some friends of mine say they haven't seen Donald Trump since he left office because if you don't watch cable news or listen to some of these other outlets, you probably haven't seen much of him. He's virtually banned from social media and large swaths of the internet and censored from much of the news. So we got together, he granted my interview request at his Beddington, New Jersey golf course. It was a very low key setup. He had golfed that morning. He had no entourage come in with him. And as busy as he is, he took a few minutes after the interview to show me around the golf club. He wore a suit and tie, looked very much like he did as president. Although I did notice he seemed to have lost weight. I didn't ask him about it because I wasn't sure until afterwards and I was looking at the video. I'm like, yeah, he's lost some serious poundage and looks healthy. We already released some excerpts of the interview that you can watch now, the video at fullmeasure.news online, fullmeasure.news. Sunday, our debut of season seven of Full Measure, this is September 12th, you can see this interview. But today on the podcast, a sneak peek, we talk about everything from the Texas abortion law, to Twitter. The Supreme Court let stand a Texas pro-life law that bans abortions when a heartbeat can be detected so as early as six weeks. Opponents say this could lead to wider restrictions on abortion. Both sides seem to agree that this ruling is largely your doing based on the Supreme Court picks that you made. Do you agree with the ruling? Well, I will tell you this. Uh, we do have a Supreme Court that's a lot different than it was before it was uh, uh, acting very strangely and I think probably not in the interests of our country. Uh, I'm studying it right now. I know that uh, the ruling was uh, very complex and also probably temporary. I think other things will happen and that will be the big deal and the big picture. So we'll see what would happen. But we're studying the ruling and we're studying also what, uh, what they've done in Texas. But we have great confidence in the governor and uh, the attorney general and the lieutenant governor. There are a lot of great people in Texas, and uh, we have a lot of fans and a lot of support in Texas. So we'll be announcing something over the next week or two weeks. 
Next, we transition to talking about the border, and that is the subject of my cover story investigation on the season seven debut this coming Sunday on Full Measure. I report from the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. I'm there at the height of those record numbers of illegal immigrant interceptions, and it's only growing worse. So I got the chance to ask Donald Trump about that. Obviously, one of his key issues that helped get him elected and something that dominated a lot of his attention as president. Uh, We had the strongest border in history, and now we have the weakest border in history. So remain in Mexico is a very big thing, and frankly, very hard to get, both legally and even working with Mexico. I find the president of Mexico, he's a friend of mine, great, great gentleman, uh, from different parts of the world and, and different philosophies completely, I will tell you that. Different philosophies, but I think he's a great guy. Not easy to get, stay in Mexico. But So to deviate from that interview for just a second, he's talking about remain in Mexico or stay in Mexico, a policy he instituted as president, which by all accounts greatly reduced the illegal immigrant traffic when he finally got that policy put forth. And it basically said that people who crossed into the United States illegally and wanted to apply to stay, instead of being allowed to stay in the United States and wait years for a court date, at which most of them don't ever show up, they would be required to go to Mexico to wait. And Mexico, the government there, agreed with President Trump to let the people come there and wait. Well, once these illegal immigrants or would-be immigrants learned that they'd not be able to come in the U.S. or wait in the United States, many of them didn't try to come anymore because they didn't want to pay $10,000, $20,000 that they have to pay, everybody who crosses the border, to drug cartels, to the human traffickers. If you cross illegally, that's what you have to do. And they weren't going to do that if they knew that they'd have to stay in Mexico and they wouldn't be able to be released in the United States. Well, President Biden, once he got in office, uh, rescinded that policy and announced he wasn't going to do that. In fact, brought thousands of people who were waiting in Mexico into the United States. But a recent court ruling determined that President Biden has to reinstate the Remain in Mexico program. So that's what we're talking about. We got it. And uh, it really worked, along with many other things, Cheryl. You know, we had a lot of things that worked. One of the things that worked is we built almost 500 miles of wall. In a month, it could have been finished, or it still could be finished. But they don't want to do it for whatever reason. Someday, maybe they can explain that. But even so, uh, we built so much and in such important locations that we, uh, we created the safest border, the most successful border ever, not only in terms of people, but in terms of drugs coming into our country and human traffickers and so much else. Uh, Fentanyl was down at a level that it hadn't seen in many years. Fentanyl being the all-time bad drug, probably coming mostly from China, but it was at a level that we hadn't seen in a long time. Now it's at a level that we haven't seen, but in a negative way, because we have more fentanyl coming into this country than we've ever had by far. So the border is a, a very sad situation. Afghanistan is a very sad situation. Okay, before we transition, though, to talking about Afghanistan, and I had a couple of questions about that. I tried to cover a lot of ground in my limited time. You know, a lot of people wonder why you don't follow up or keep talking about a certain topic. 
And when you have a set amount of time, as you often do with high profile interviews, you have to make a decision. You can either follow up thoroughly on one topic and use the whole interview doing that and maybe still not getting a lot more information because these political figures pretty much know what they do and don't want to say. So if you pursue it once or twice, but keep going, you're not likely to get a lot more information. You'll just get an exchange that maybe your news outlet can use to promote you. You know, you get one of those little pithy exchanges, but you're not really getting usually much content. So I end up making a decision how long to stay on a particular subject when I want to cover a lot of different things, how much maybe new or original insight and information I can get. And you may have heard me say I've been asking President Biden for an interview for over a year when he was candidate Biden, starting back then. And we've been talking with them, but they haven't agreed. He will be offered the exact same opportunity as everybody else when I do these types of interviews on full measure. They have a chance to be asked tough questions, some neutral questions, and they will be heard. I'm not going to argue with them and try to make it a moment about myself. You get to hear what their full answer is, and you can decide what to think about it. Maybe you don't like their answer. Maybe you think they're not telling the truth. That's up to you to decide, but you'll actually get to hear from the person when I do these interviews. So anyway, next, I asked President Trump about the Biden administration's plan to restart funding to bigger levels again to Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and so on, to Central American countries. President Trump cut off some of that funding. The Biden administration maintains that's part of the reason things are taking a downturn in those countries and why so many people are wanting to flee to the United States. And he has said that's Donald Trump's fault. So I asked Trump about that. It's going to make the situation much worse. He's talking about reinstituting so much taxpayer money to these countries will make things worse, he thinks. I cut it off when I saw all these people coming from, from, from all of the different things, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras. They were coming in. We're giving them more than 500 million a year. I said, we're not giving any more money. As soon as I said that, they were perfect. The other thing, just to finish, they wouldn't take, as we caught MS-13 gang members and others, they wouldn't take them back. They hadn't for years under the previous administration. As soon as I cut off the money, they said, we would love to have them back. Please send them. And we were able to send all of these horrible criminals back into the countries from which they came. So we had a tremendous policy. They dismantled it. Now we have the worst border situation in this country ever. Millions of people are coming in through our borders. They're emptying their prisons and jails. They're emptying. We're getting people that we don't want in our country. Many, many people that we don't want, including probably a lot of terrorists. It's a terrible situation. Next, we transition to the topic of Afghanistan and what by many accounts, both Democrat and Republican, is the disastrous plan to withdraw from Afghanistan under the Biden administration. I will point out that the Biden administration, President Biden, also lays blame at Donald Trump's feet for that, saying that Trump left them, the Biden administration, in a bad condition. He claims that the Taliban, the Islamic extremist terrorist group, was in its strongest position when Donald Trump left office, as it had been since 2001. So I asked Donald Trump about that. We were in perfect condition. They would not. I've, I spoke to the leader, Abdul. I said, Abdul, 
Don't ever kill any of our soldiers again. You will see what will happen. But much rougher than that. And what happened? For, I guess it's 18 months, we hadn't lost one soldier. Our soldiers weren't even shot at. We had that situation so well in hand. We could have taken our time. Military goes out last. We would have taken our Americans out, our civilians out. We would have taken certain other people out. We would have then taken our $85 billion worth of equipment. We would have kept Bagram and blown up the rest of the military bases so other countries, including Afghanistan, couldn't use them. And it was a very simple thing. And they blew it. They took out the military first and they totally lost control. A very, very sad and incompetent situation. And now on President Biden's criticism of Trump's handling on Afghanistan. So, just so you understand, I said don't kill our soldiers. They didn't kill our soldiers. Again, whether it was 14 or 18 months, we didn't lose a soldier. We had conditions. We had a condition-based When they didn't meet the conditions, we bombed the hell out of them. They would call and they would say, we would like to meet the conditions now. We had it perfectly, perfectly in control. We could have taken our time. Nobody was coming in. If you look at what happened, it was after I got out with a rigged election. As soon as I got out, they started taking over. We had it perfectly in control. Those 13 incredible people would be alive today and the parents know it every one of the parents said if president trump was rightfully the president our son and or in one case a daughter would be alive today and for them to say trump did it just like the same thing russia 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 the russians all all proven force i guess there's like 22 different points it's all they know how to do well They certainly don't know how to fight wars well. They know how to rig elections, but they certainly don't know how to fight wars. And I heard that the other day, and I said, isn't that sad when they try and blame me? I've been out of there for a long time. They went in. They did something that was so stupid. Think of it. They took the military out first. As soon as the military was out, the the Taliban came charge again. They probably couldn't believe that it happened. It probably took them a little while to say nobody could be so stupid, but they were so stupid. Our television generals did a terrible job. $85 billion. I even asked simple questions like, why didn't they take the equipment? But I saw a satellite photo of one of the airports where we have a lot of airplanes. Why didn't they bring in some pilots to at least fly out these billions of dollars worth of planes? We have more, they now have more Apache helicopters, an incredible, it's a weapon. It's an incredible weapon, one of the, one of the most powerful weapons anywhere. They have more than any other country but us. Why didn't they fly people in to fly them out? I mean, fly them out. Why didn't they take our heavy armor up? All they do is they just load them up in those big, beautiful planes they could have taken. We left them $85 billion worth of equipment. And the reporters don't even talk about that anymore. Why do you think? Certainly the generals Because I think they're incompetent. Because I knocked out ISIS. You know what I did. I did things that nobody could have done. I wiped out ISIS in Iraq and Syria. Al-Baghdadi was gone. I knocked out uh, others at the top, top of the list. Higher than anybody had ever been knocked out before. We knocked them out. Soleimani. Al-Baghdadi. ISIS, gone, 100% of the caliphate gone. That was much tougher 
than Afghanistan, much, much tougher than Afghanistan. I gave them a perfect plate. They didn't have to follow it. They had absolute, by the way, they didn't follow us on the border and the border is destroyed. They didn't follow us on inflationary items and we have inflation is raging. We had, uh, look at energy. We were energy independent. Think of it, energy independent. And now we're going back to OPEC, to Russia, to Saudi Arabia, to say, please help us supply our country with energy. We'll pay you anything. These are incompetent people, except when it comes, as I said, to rigging elections. They're really good at that. According to one report, before Afghanistan fell, President Biden had a conversation with the president of Afghanistan in which he supposedly wanted to change the optics of fighting the Taliban and make things seem better. The quote was, there's a need, said Biden supposedly, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. What do you make of that? Well, you know, they talked, I got impeached over a perfect call. I had a perfect call. That's why I had no problem. But this is a terrible thing, he said. And you know, uh, perception, he was talking about perception. Perception's only good, especially in war for a day or so. Ultimately, you have to fight. And if you look back on my statements, I never had any confidence in Ghani. I always said he was a crook. Next, President Trump addressed the reports that billions and billions of dollars in U.S. military equipment was left in Afghanistan. We left everything. And then they say, they're very good at this, it's called disinformation. When they were getting killed on that topic, they said, oh, we dismantled it. They dismantled the equipment. They didn't dismantle, Cheryl, anything. They dismantled nothing. They took some air out of a couple of tires just to say it, because that's all they're good at is excuses. This was grossly incompetent. I don't think they did it on purpose. Some people say they did it on purpose. I don't think so. And China now is going to go in and get the rare earth. And they just announced today, we are working with China, our great friend and new ally. I mean, how bad is it? I believe truly we have a great military, we have great generals, because when I beat ISIS, I dealt with real generals, the real generals, the generals that know how to fight. But you know what? There's never been a time where a country, in my opinion, has been more embarrassed. This is worse than Saigon. This is worse than anything I can think of. I don't believe there's ever, we've had war, we've had great victories, and we've had some that didn't look so good. But there's never been a time where it looked like we were fleeing and where we left behind $85 billion worth of, in many cases, brand new equipment. It's terrible. More from my interview with Donald Trump after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Back with more of my interview with Donald Trump. We're now talking about COVID. Uh, when I left, we did an amazing job with the ventilators, with uh, the cupboards are bare. You've heard me say it a hundred times. 
Those cupboards were packed with the gowns and the goggles and the masks and everything you needed, including the making of the ventilators and all of the different things. Very complicated equipment. We're the biggest in the world now at making all of this very important equipment. And I say that we did an A-plus job, but we did a bad job of public relations. But I don't think you can do a good job because no matter how good we did, the fake news media was going to report it badly. But now it's raging again. And nobody says Biden's doing a bad job. He's doing a horrendous job. And Do you blame the vac- him for the fact that it's raging again? Or well, I blame him. Yeah, I blame him for the fact that the vaccine is not being taken to the levels that it should because the people don't trust him. Do you remember when they said, I wouldn't take a vaccine if it was developed under President Trump? Well, he got the vaccine on November 11th. I mean, he got his shot. Then he forgot he got it. You know, he said, oh, did I get it? He didn't know if he got it or not, but he got it. Then he got a second shot. Then he said, we don't have a vaccine. Oh, you don't, but you got two shots. And he, they corrected that. Even fake news CNN said, well, that was a big mistake that he made. But he made a mistake today. He said he went to the temple, Tree of Life. And they said he never went. And he said, no, I went. But he never went. Now it turned out that he didn't go. I don't know what's going on. But the big thing that's going on is the level of incompetence with respect to Afghanistan. Those 13 people that have died, I spoke to the parents of many of them, and it's devastating. Do you think anybody in the family and that family will ever be the same? And they're very angry at the Biden administration because it should have never, ever happened. There shouldn't have been mass throngs of people like that. It was perfectly orderly. They knew, and Abdul knew, you can't come in. You're going to have to wait. You can't come in. I wanted to get out, get out more than anybody, but we had to get out with honor, with dignity, and actually with victory. I think we would have gotten out actually with victory and should have gotten out a long time ago. And frankly, we should have never been in the Middle East. It was the single biggest mistake made in the history of our country. Two trillion dollars. Millions of people killed, both sides, very important, both sides. Millions and millions of people killed. We should have never been in the Middle East. And what do they have for it? The place is obliterated. It's obliterated. Worse than it was 20 years ago by a level and a factor like nobody's ever seen. Should have never been. Could have hit them really hard and then go back. But uh, we have other things to focus on. But I believe you have to get the equipment. I believe you can't leave $85 billion worth of the most, the best equipment. This, some of this stuff was brand new. Like you'd say, just out of the package. Brand new, the most sophisticated military equipment in the world. The best helicopters, the best jets, the best everything. Best rifles, they're all over the place. The damage they've caused to our country at the borders with inflation and the economy And with Afghanistan, Russia is laughing at us. China is laughing at us. North Korea, Kim Jong-un, he's laughing at us. They think we're stupid. And it's embarrassing for our country what's happened. So embarrassing. I had a fact checker look into whether, because I couldn't find a phenomenon similar to what's happening with you, where a former president continues to hold rallies and tens of thousands of people show up. And the fact checker couldn't find any other examples of that as well. I'm surprised, but 
Are you the leader of and the Republican thing, Party? I don't do want to say that. I never like to say, oh, I'm the leader, I'm the leader. Leader's a leader, and, you know, you don't have to talk about it. But I will say this, almost every single person I endorse wins. We just had a big win in Ohio for Congress. We had one in Louisiana. We actually, in Texas, I had two people running, two Republicans running, no Democrat in the race. And when they did vote for Democrat, of course, they voted against me. But we had tremendous victories, many Republican leaders all over the country. And we're 128 and two, 128 victories over the last fairly short period of time. When I endure somebody, 128 wins and two losses. And the two losses, the people uh, were fantastic. The people were fantastic. The people that won were more Trumpy than the people that lost. That's probably why. So there, I don't think there's ever been anything like that. I will say this. Um, for years, I've heard the expression that an endorsement isn't worth the paper it's written on, right? Even if you got Ronald Reagan, I liked Ronald Reagan, but if you got his endorsement, it was nice to have, but it didn't mean anything. I'm endorsing people. They're going up 30, 40, 50 points, and the race is over. In Texas, if you look at the endorsements that I've done, if you look all over the country, the endorsements. Now, we have big races in Ohio. They all want the endorsement. In Missouri, they all want the endorsement. And uh, it's been an amazing thing. I think you're probably right. I don't think there's anything like this. It's called Make America Great Again. It's called America First. Call it whatever you want. But it is that. It's Make America Great Again. It's America First. That's what our people want. That's what our country wants. And there's never been a movement like this in the history of our country. But nobody, I don't think anybody's done what I've done and the administration's done in terms of country, whether it's all of the regulation. I mean, we got rid of regulations that created the greatest economy in the history of our country. We had 160 million people working. There's never been anything close to that. We had men, women, African-American, Hispanic-American, Asian-American, uh, diplomas, no diplomas, uh, PhDs from MIT and uh, people that could barely read or write. Everybody was working. It was the greatest economy in history. Then we did a great job with the China virus, as we call it, because it's a much more accurate term. Came from China, came from Wuhan, even though I was criticized. Oh, how can he say that? Now it's turning out that they're all agreeing with me. But when COVID came in, we did a great job, and then I built the economy again. And he's just riding on my coattails. And if they're not careful, inflation's gonna destroy this country, along with other things, the people coming in, all of, there are many things that they're doing that can destroy this country. Um, who is in your political orbit now? Who do you rely on to keep you current or to give you advice and thoughts? Many people. I have many, many great friends in Congress. I have great senator friends. If I didn't endorse congressmen and do rallies for congressmen, you know, in Congress, they were supposed to lose anywhere from 35 to 45 seats. We won 17. That was because of me. We lost no seats. So we're supposed to lose, I heard, from 25 to 45, but I really felt 35 to 45. We're going to lose that. You know that better than anybody. You're a great pro. You really are great respect for you. We're going to lose many, many seats in Congress. Instead of losing many seats, we lost none, and we won 17. 
And now there's only a difference of three or four. And we're looking very good coming up. In the Senate, if I didn't endorse Joni and, uh, as an example, uh, Sullivan of Alaska, uh, Tom Tillis, even Lindsay says, you know, without your endorsement, I mean, you let him speak for himself. The Senate right now, instead of being 50-50, would be 60-40 in favor of the Democrats. What I've done is very important. The endorsement's very powerful. The rallies are very powerful. I mean, I, I took senators that had no chance of winning, and they ended up winning by, they ended up winning by nine and ten points. You know that. So... I'm doing something that's very important for our country. I like doing it. I like doing it because it's very important for our country. We are about out of time. I have a couple quick things. If you'd like to answer these last couple of questions. Um, What has President Biden done right? There must be something. You two have agreed on a couple of things policy-wise. What has he done right? I would say the thing he did best was rig the election. Uh, No, I I really meant it. I think that's the, I think, no, no. He didn't do it. I don't believe he did it because he was in his basement. But his group of uh, animals, they rigged the election. And now you can see it, because you see all these numbers pouring out. And the reason you have these big boat parades with thousands and thousands of boats and people all over the place, you and I were talking about in Florida, where every Friday they get together, thousands of people at a certain location, but many locations, because they know the election was rigged. It was a rigged election. And because of that rigged election, we have 13 soldiers dead. We have a mess in Afghanistan and an embarrassment to the world. We have the worst border we've ever had. We have inflation raging. We have fuel prices from $1.87 a gallon. It's going to be over $5 a gallon. I would say the thing that they do best is they rig elections. Also, misinformation. It's Trump's fault, Afghanistan. Trump's fault, Afghanistan. First time I heard that. But I'm not surprised to hear it anymore because I've heard it now for four years. And I told people the other day, I said I had two jobs, to run the country and to survive. And surviving was tougher than running the country. I had to survive their lies. They're spying on my campaign. You know, they spied on my campaign. Turned out I was right about that. And right from the beginning, coming down the escalator... They spied on my campaign, but I had two jobs and one of them was survival and we did a great job. And probably you're right. Probably nobody's done what I've done since then. And that's because people know who won the election and we're going to have to see what happens on a lot of fronts. But a lot of things are happening. Uh, Our country is being destroyed right now. It's being destroyed. And it's a sad, sad thing to watch. Next, we talked a bit about Donald Trump's Twitter account, his being banned from much social media, and he's talking about what he's doing now to get the word out. He's issuing releases online that he says then get picked up widely. Uh, Now I have something, I do basically releases, uh, Save America, it's called Save America, and they get picked up in the millions and millions and millions. And, you know, it's interesting. I had hundreds of millions between Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I mean, few people, if anybody, had Zuckerberg would come over and he'd kiss my ass and he'd come over for dinner. And he said, congratulations, Mr. President. You're number one on Facebook. 
I said, thank you very much. I didn't know that. I said, thank you very much. That's very nice. And then he turns out he does the unlock boxes. See, I call them unlock boxes, not lock boxes, okay? You understand. On the face of the nation, they said, what about those lock boxes? They said, no, no, they're really unlock boxes. I'm not following you on the lock boxes. The lock boxes, where they have boxes full of votes. Oh, yes, the voting. And the votes are very strange. Okay, very strange. The drop boxes. Well, I call them, not drop. Well, they call them different things, gotcha. but I call them the unlock boxes, okay. okay? But a very strange thing. But what I do is I do Save America, and I put out... I mean, it's good because I can use more characters than you get on Twitter, and I can... But the key is you don't want to get too long either, I mean, with that. But I get the word out. I get the word out. And we're suing them now, actually. We're suing them. You know, it's amazing. You have... Tyrants, dictators, murderers, killers, scoundrels of all kind. They're on Twitter and Facebook and Google and all. And you have a president of the United States that got 75 million votes, probably much more than that. But that's the highest amount of votes ever gotten by far by a sitting president. And this person is taken off these, uh, what would you call them, platforms, I guess, and think about that, how bad that is. Think about how crazy it is. You have horrible, vicious dictators that kill people routinely, and they're on. But I get taken off. But as you know, this movement, Make America Great Again, it's hotter than it ever was before. The people get it. The word does get out. You have to work at it, but the word does get out. And I am so honored because there has never been a movement like this in the history of our country. I remember Pat Buchanan, he came close in New Hampshire, and I like him. And he became a very important man for many, many years. Many, many years. People have him on the shows, and I won 34 states. 34 states. I got the highest number of votes in history. No sitting president ever got it. I did something very few presidents have done. I went from 63 million to 75 million. Most presidents, like President Obama, went way down. He got far less the second time. I got far more the second time. And based on that, there was no way you can lose. But they did a good job of vote counting. You know, there's an expression that oftentimes the vote counter is far more important than the candidate. And that happened here. But... I don't think the American people will stand for it. We'll see what happens. And there will be much more of my interview with Donald Trump Sunday on Full Measure. Americans are rightly alarmed by the increasingly tight grip on the news and information by special interests, corporate interests, and big tech. In my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, I tell the important inside story of how we got here and the Orwellian world where we will find ourselves if the course isn't altered. Pick up a copy of Slanted today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Check out my other podcast, The Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. Be sure to leave a positive review, like it, share it with your friends. One thing we promise on Full Measure will never look like the other Sunday broadcasts. To find a Full Measure TV station near you, 
go to CherylAckison.com and click the full measure tab. It'll tell you where to find us on TV or how to watch us live or replays online at fullmeasure.news. You can see us live, by the way, 10 a.m. every Sunday at fullmeasure.news. That's 10 a.m. Eastern time with full replays posted there around noon on Sundays. Or you can watch live or on demand on our free app, STIRR, S-T-I-R-R, which has a lot of other cool programming, movies, and even local news. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.